Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I think it's an incredible film to come out in the last five years. When I watch it, I think, yeah, this is really beautiful. There's loads of, like, really interesting things going on. But then I'm a bit like, it's not really that interesting, though. And I feel it left me a little bit cold, so I'm, I'm a bit mixed about this. I'm kind of shocked that it didn't make as many waves as possible, but I get the feeling that if it wasn't for this, we wouldn't have got Dune. This feels like... It's a bit of a man film. It's one of those that <laughs> the vibes are that generally the cinema was not filled with ladies. It was very much filled with men. But I still think it's a stunning film to look at. Don't let the length put you off. Hello, everybody. Joining us today, we have Leslie. Hi, how you Reese. Hello. And as always, Kobe. Hello. And we're here to talk about Blade Runner 2049. Thank you as always to the mighty people for the mighty mighty tunes and thanks to ben from rockwood audio for his awesome editing skills please do remember to write a review and rate us on apple Podcasts anywhere you can do where you listen to the podcast because it really does help us and you can join in the conversation with us on twitter at FlixWatcherPod and on instagram at FlixWatcher. Hello film fans, welcome to Flix Watcher Podcast. Our guests today are Leslie and Reese. Over to you please Reese to say hello to our listeners and tell them a little bit more about who you are and what you do please. Of course, yeah, my name is Reese, also known as Rio. I am a film fanatic. Um, I have a YouTube channel where I focus on films that I rate four stars and above and then also write for a website called the cinematic and i have a podcast that i'm due to be starting in january and you can find out more news on that when it comes on my twitter account which is at rio's positive pov so you're not going to tell us anything about your podcast secret. Just no because i don't do, have do, the full do, do, information do, yet it's in the works it's something i'm i'm messing around with ideas and jumping on different people's podcasts to get some still some of the good stuff <laughs> and um, inspiration i got ideas of, of kind of what i want to do maybe potentially speaking to people um, on a more broader scale about what they love about film, some of their favourite films, um, and ideally speaking to people who want to spread the word. So podcasters like yourself, YouTube people, people that write um, for websites and just gain a greater understanding of why people love film and what makes them tick. Well, guys, if you listen to this after uh, the start of 2023, then just type, go to your, I guess you'll be on your Twitter account. You'll be able to find the details if you want to find his new podcast. Um, Leslie, who are you? Um, so my name's Leslie Pitt. 
I um, I've previously written for Empire and Set the Tape and Little White Lies. And I also have two podcasts. Um, one is Hustlers of Culture, which is a podcast where we look at um, pop culture from a um, ethnic minority view. And the other one is Fatal Attractions, where we talk about erotic thrillers and what we love about them and hate about them. We've had a few of your other guys from uh, Fatal Track Pod on here. Thank you very much for, I think you're, are you the last one who's not been we've, joined we've us yet? You're the, you're the outlier. Possibly. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> Maybe Paul as well, I'm not sure. Okay, so we need to get one more. We need to rope him into the into the mix. But yeah, I always find a fascinating podcast that go down a specific genre. And yours is kind of be the most fun and also can be the most uh, tedious, I guess, at <laughs> some point as well. You, you must have seen quite, quite a lot of breasts, I imagine. <laughs> You'd be surprised on how little sex are in some of these sometimes. Mm. <laughs> How starved people were in the in the nineties before. Um, anyway, I'm not going to down the road, but yes, enjoy your podcast. Um, but we're here to talk about the film you chose, Leslie, which is Blade Runner 2049. Can you tell us first of all why you chose it, and then I'll get the timer up, and you've got sixty seconds to explain what happens. Yeah, sure. Like I chose it because even though it's length and even though it did really flop, um, like its predecessor. I think it's an incredible film to come out in the last five years. It really did feel like a calculated risk, something that they were really trying to do, and they thought it would be time to do it. And I'm kind of shocked that it didn't make as many waves as possible, but I get the feeling that if it wasn't for this, we wouldn't have got Dune. You see, this is a stepping stone to Dune, is it? Well, I, a part of me feels that way. I, I feel <laughs> there's so many of the same people, kind of like in terms of cinematography, in terms of who directs it. Um, Ridley originally was supposed to do Dune many years ago, but then he stopped to do Blade Runner. So I just find it quite interesting just to see that kind of come from it. Whether or not this is all kind of true or just my hearsay, um, you know, please yeah, write in and tell me. But, um, right. but right, I just let's found get it to, quite interesting. Let's get to the synopsis then. Okay, so uh, Ryan Gosling plays Kay, and he's a Nexus uh, 9 replicant Blade Runner who discovers a secret that threatens to destabilise society and the course of civilization. Love it. Okay, good, good. Um, hasn't told us anything, which is fine. <laughs> we can discuss the plot. That's probably the shortest like plot summary in relation to the film length we've ever yeah. had. <laughs> All right, I think the first thing is, guys, where where were we on Blade Runner, the first film, um, in the first place? Let's go to yourself, Reese. Yeah, I love the original Blade Runner. Growing up, it was one of my favourite films. I've watched it countless amount of times. I won't even go into how many. I don't think I'd remember that. Um, knowing this movie was coming out was a, a big worry for me. Um, <laughs> so many years after Blade Runner, but knowing Denny was behind it made that a little bit a little bit easier for me, for sure. Uh, Helen? Yeah, I, I think it took me a couple of goes on uh, the original Blade Runner, but it's one of the ones that I just find it really, really fascinating. And the most recent experience of it was the the secret cinema Blade Runner, which kind of just brought it to life in a, in a new way. And the, the score's amazing. And I think the costume design and the set design is really great. So yeah, big fan of the original. Does I assume you're a fan of the original too? Yes. I don't know why I assume that. <laughs> don't know why. I, I recently just did a f um, kind of throwback write-up on, on Set the Tape on Blade Runner. Um, 
and it was, you know, I, I went to rewatch it when I first watched the movie uh, many years ago. I actually had the chance to watch it at the cinema, um, uh, director's cut, and I thought it was okay. Uh, wasn't too bad. It was fine. I watched it with a then girlfriend and didn't really think too much of it at the time. And then I found myself constantly thinking about this movie over the years. And then the rewatch, I realised I probably find it possibly one of the one of the greatest movies that Scott ever directed, if not the best. And it's possibly one of. I had the chance. I almost put it on the sight and sound um, top ten list. Uh, I didn't because it was already on there from last last time. So I decided not to, because I think it is that strong a movie. There's something about that movie which is so potent and powerful about it, even though from a plot <laughs> plot point, it doesn't really kind of <laughs> work almost. So I think I'm, I'm going to be the, the outlier here and saying that I wasn't that big a fan of it. Okay. Um, I think... There's probably a few reasons. I think that sometimes the waste of expectations of a film is like Blade Runner, Blade Runner, Blade Runner. You've got to watch it. It's one of the best films in the entire world. And when I watched it, I was like, oh, I mean, it's got Harrison Ford in it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's quite cool. No, um, I, think, I don't think the first, I don't think the first, the first viewing ever really does it. Tears in the Rain, did that not move you? I don't know what that is. What? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the Tears in the Rain, the, the, the final dialogue, the final monologue. I, I think it, it might have been a VHS at home on my not it wasn't it wasn't the fourteen inch TV it was the it was the big you know family TV but it's one of those things where I just didn't I, I, I had maybe lofty expectations I felt it was slower pace than I thought it was going to be and you know when you got when you got Harrison Ford in there it's like it's going to be like him jumping off a train it's going to be him with a bullwhip it's going to be him with a blaster and I think that's that's the kind of thing that kind of set me down this route where it just wasn't so i've watched it a few times and it just didn't i just you know it's not one of my favorite films look i can understand why it's many people's favorite films but i i i enjoyed this one more i thought this had more about it and my god it's beautiful isn't it i finally got roger De- was it was this the first one it's first, first out of 13 yeah that roger deacon's got and he turned it up to a million out of 10 for this, didn't he? I, just literally one of the most beautiful films ever. Um, still not my favourite thing ever, but I think it's just the way it's played out, the scenarios, the scenes, that that bit where they're in in, in Las Vegas, for example, uh, with the orange sandy hue, it's just something that haunts me for days when I think about it. Um, so I wasn't I, I wasn't one of these people who was scared like yourself, Reese, that this is going to overrun it. And uh, we've had Denis Villeneuve in here a few times and he smashed out the park each time. Um, I think he's a fantastic filmmaker. So I wasn't scared. And Dune was, Dune was way better than I thought it was going to be as a film. So that's why I picked up on that one there, Leslie. So this, I mean, Denis Villeneuve, crikey, this guy is something special, I think, as a yeah. director. And I think that's kind of why I, I liked, I, I wanted to pick it. I mean, he's, he's such an interesting filmmaker and, and anytime he seems to do sci-fi, he really tries to, he doesn't sugarcoat it. He doesn't lead the, the audience on. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons why I picked this is it was just something a bit, I won't say cerebral. It's not, it's not really a cerebral film, but it was just a little bit more, I don't know. It, it wanted to do something 
a little bit different with sci-fi than what we were we were currently seeing at the time. I mean, about by that point when it came out, we were kind of half drenched in Star Wars remakes and all sorts and Marvel films and and everything. And this came out and just did something a little bit different. And that along with Arrival, and I think that's one of the reasons why I wanted to pick it. I mean, Arrival. We've we've talked about Arrival on here, and it's. And I, I don't know why I'm taking against films for being a slow burn, but Arrival was a slower paced story, more deliberately told, and that, that floored me, that film. Um, what did it? Guys, if you want to listen to what I thought about Arrival, get to uh, further down the feed and type in Arrival to find out. Um, Reese, where are you on, on Denis Villeneuve, Villeneuve and his oeuvre? Yeah, you're Sorry. talking about Arrival. I got, just bought a new poster. I've got a poster behind me of Arrival. Um, my tag, my pin post on my Twitter is four photos from Arrival. Um, mm. That's my favourite film of his. But overall, I think he's a, a fantastic filmmaker. Like I said, I had worries about a sequel of Blade Runner, but when he got attached, that kind of went away. Um, and knowing that Ridley Scott, the last time he made a, a classic that I love, Alien, <laughs> when they come with a sequel, um, they smashed it out of the park as well. So I had a little bit of faith on that as well <laughs> because he built he build a world that you could continue, uh, which helped massively. But no, with Denny, I'm a massive fan. Um, June, that's one of my all-time favourite books. So when I found it, he was directing that after seeing Arrival and Blade Runner. Um, I was fairly excited for that one, for sure. Denny, Helen, I've heard, I've heard you talk about him a couple of times here. I think I would probably say I am a little bit more mixed than you are. Um, Arrival is 100% my, my favourite film of his, absolutely. I think that's incredible. Um and then I really like, I haven't seen all of them, but the stuff that he's done with Jake Gyllenhaal, obviously, particularly the one where there's two Jake Gyllenhaals in one film. Um, and I, I really like how dark Prisoners is. I I struggled a little bit with Dune. I um, I thought that was quite slow. I think this is, re-watching this is 100% a prototype for Dune. He's basically gone... Not enough people saw Blade Runner because they didn't really understand me. They didn't really understand my vision. It was too long. But now I'm Billy Big Bollocks and everyone <laughs> now loves Blade Runner because it's all over. <laughs> it's all over every film Instagram sites because everyone loves it. And you all know who Anna Darmus is now. I'm just going to make it again but I'm going to make it with June and everyone's going to go and see that and all will be forgiven. I think it's kind of mad that this was a flop because I don't think it deserved to be a flop. I'm I'm really mixed about it. When I watch it, I think, yeah, this is really beautiful. There's loads of like really interesting things going on. But then I'm a bit like, it's not really that interesting though. And I feel it left me a little bit cold. So I'm I'm a bit mixed about this, but 100% I'd go and see a film by him at the cinema because He's one of those guys who brings like 110%. He never does anything and it's a bit like, I just won't bother colouring in that bit. He's like, 100%, got to have like every detail. It's like, oh, did you see that thing in the right corner for two seconds? Like 20 people worked on that. He's that kind of dude. So (laughs) even though I'm a bit in and out on this one, I, I, I admire his commitment to bringing art house vibes to mainstream movies and sci- sci-fi. What do you guys make of uh, Deacons in, in this? Um, should I throw it to you, Leslie, first? Yeah, sure. Um, I think he's absolutely astonishing. Going back to something like um, Prisoners, though, if you ever 
get the chance to see him talk about anything like prisoners. He lights films in a way which I don't understand. So he he <laughs> lights prisoners in such a way that it looks like he's done nothing. Yeah. However, there's so much that he's put into it to make it look as cold as it does. That is absolutely astonishing. And I think it's the same thing here. They're, I think the big, big worry for a lot of pe- uh, for a lot of people was, well, how do you re- replicate that world so long afterwards? What would you do with something like Blade Runner? And I think his use of lights—it's all very like the neon is even the neon is not the kind of neon lights that you see everywhere, like on Instagram or anything else like that. There's these really interesting uses of color, like that you brought up. Um, uh, Las Vegas and it's this is really bright orange sandstorm and then you've got um how joy is kind of moving around and 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 you and how she's being utilized and one of the things I love about that is if you remember Deacons was um the visual consultant on how to train a dragon absolutely um so therefore he's been looking at CGI and how that moves and how the, and utilizing light and, and everything else like that so there's this interesting thing of this character that isn't fully formed not a fully formed actual person kind of disappearing and floating and how he lights that and makes her kind of oblique when he needs to and transparent and there's it's just it's just astonishing like to see the size of lights because there's these massive lights to, to kind of light up faces and and, and whatnot and it, i it it just puts you to shame as someone who's an is an amateur photographer. You just you wonder how you how he does it, and then he tells you on a podcast somewhere else, you know, on Team Deacons. Um, I'm, my mind's blown by it by by watching it again, <laughs> like constantly, because it's just I don't think any at his age, I don't think there's anyone out there kind of hitting the heights that he's doing. I mean, there's a few, but I mean, it does it does. I, like I said, there's a subtlety in prisoners, which is also difficult to replicate. But then there's the, uh, the there's almost like classic deco in um, <laughs> I'm calling deco, and uh, <laughs> a lot of stuff he does with the Coen brothers, for example. Like, yes. Oh brother, where are they? Where it's kind of like the um, it, he he's a key protagonist in digital cinematography, and he you know not, oh brother, where are they? He he presents the the screen in a in a kind of a, a yellowy green hue, which is. Yeah. Again, you think that's I can understand that's the, that's a deco kind of vibe. Yeah. Um, I don't know, Reese. Do you want to say anything about him or the style or anything else to do with Blade Runner before? Yeah, uh, before it's, 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 I'm a sucker for a good looking film, and Blade Runner 2049 is most certainly one of those. Deakins for me is the best in the game, cinematography wise, um, and that is pretty much all I need to say on that matter. <laughs> <laughs> he he's the goat, isn't he? That's that's my addition. <laughs> deco the goat. It's, it's hard. You remember as well in the original film, it's um, Jordan Cornworth uh, who was the the original cinematographer um, who left soon after because of, of of illness. And his work is so good in that. And just to see how they elaborate on it, and they don't, but they don't kind of take away from it. It's really interesting that the, the claustrophobic vibe of of what you saw in the original film has changed these kind of weird space. Everyone's gone off world. So there's this weird odd spaces everywhere. And the original, that first scene in, in, in this, in this kind of weird rural farm is so, mm. 
kind of alien but so familiar in its own way it looks like the kind of stuff that Hampton Francher was doing in the original um in the original script when he when he made Sawyer Blade Runner it was just it's just fascinating and just how he blocks the characters together and 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 everything is just so I don't know it's so simple yet so effective it's I don't know he's just got this really interesting use of space if you, like, if you see a Coen Brothers comedy, he he realised how close you are to the camera and, and how he utilises space that way. But if you see this, it's just this big, expansive thing and it's only part of a... It's like one small part of a larger world. And I don't know, I just... It just seems vast. How do you do that? <laughs> I mean, I'd like, just to talk about that first scene, um, from the start, there's more action in this than there was in the original Blade Runner, right? And I think that kind of hooks people in or not, or, or you know, sends them down a route. But I thought that was fantastic. And the cast of characters in this is phenomenal from well-known people. Obviously, you've got Harrison Ford there, your man who played the Joker, whose name I can't remember right now, um, <laughs> for some reason. Um, Jared Leo. Yes. Uh, Anna Zamas and David Doss Matchin. Robin Wright. Yeah, yeah. Robin Wright, oh, one of my favourites. Uh, Doss Matchin, who's, I think, in a lot of uh, Denis Villeneuve films. Unfortunately, Jared Leto. <laughs> yeah, that's what uh, that's what he, he said. He's, he's, he's not the worst in it, though, considering. No, I, mean, I, I actually don't think he's bad in it. I mean, I actually, I, I'm not the biggest Jared Leto. Hey, I don't think he's that bad. I think <laughs> no. it's turned into a every. I think people go in and hate him more before even watching the film nowadays. It, c- it could have been David Bowie. Apparently, he was he was wanted for the role and then he died. So sadly, couldn't do that. That would have been way better. But was, I mean, there, there is a bit of a John Lito pylon. I think justified in some cases. Yeah, I do think there are certain films that he's atrocious in. I haven't even yeah. watched Morbius yet, and I won't watch it. But um, <laughs> no, I don't think he's too bad. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of it's to do with his actions behind behind the scenes whilst playing Joker in the in the Suicide Squad and stuff that's just turned people off him. Because I mean, and in... awful performances. This one's fine. I think this one's fine. It's a bit weird. I think he probably plays like being weird slightly more than anyone else everyone else is a little bit more natural um, but yeah he's fine I was being mean to him because he's an easy target <laughs> let's talk about Harrison Ford was anyone under any illusion when you watched this for the first time that Harrison Ford as Deckard wasn't going to show up in this film was it even in did they try and hint that he wasn't going to be in it or what was going on there it takes a bloody long time to show up I'll tell you that <laughs> I think it's difficult because it's how can I say it? it's everything depends on how you felt about Deckard and what cut you saw of the original film and what you think mm. if he's whether if he's a replicant or not and if he is a replicant what's he doing here um if he isn't a replicant then it makes a little bit more sense um I think this is this is part of my reason why the first one left me cold because people talk about the different cuts you'd see to get the different experiences and then each time I'm like <sighs> Just final cut. Just, That's fine. It's, it's, just okay. <laughs> <laughs> just find that final cut, and it's it's all right. I would have been okay with that. I don't think. I don't know. I just felt that they'd gone so far into doing something slightly a bit different and going down a slightly different route that I was just a bit like, could just left it. Not been in it. Grumpy old Harrison doesn't really <laughs> look like he wants to be there. But, that's that's Harrison most most films now. Yeah. <laughs> he just does grumpy. Yeah. Does moody or grumpy? 
there's no problem with it being in it him being in it i just don't feel like he added too much to the the story itself and probably didn't need to be there it's a nostalgia thing really um i don't think if he was not in the film it wouldn't be as great as it is um but i think people obviously enjoy seeing him back in it for sure yeah i thought it was a friendly face um is in some decent sequences and ultimately that's you know his daughter that he sees at the end however that's kind of constructed in in the film and in your minds then it's quite a nice touch i thought to to finish it that way um so head to the scores guys hello i'm hannah flint from the first film club a film podcast series dedicated to established and emerging talent both in front of and behind the camera and the feature debuts that launch their careers from the new drama mass to the cult classic heathers each episode is dedicated to a film a guest and the behind the scenes stories memories and advice from their time on set find us the first film club wherever you listen to your stripped media podcasts come join the club Welcome to the Flixwatcher scores. Your scores are out of five and you can have decimal places if you wish. And we'll start with you, please, Leslie, with your recommendability. So I would recommend this four. Um, I what recommended uh, Blade Runner to my wife, the original um, Blade Runner to my wife, who hated it. Um, absolutely surprised <laughs> um, just didn't get on with it at all didn't get wrapped up into, into the world building while I'm in tears talk, um, looking at Rutger Hauer and tears in the rain and whatnot which is fine but it is a film that if you are into that world into that kind of world building it's easy to recommend the, the, the second film I think there's a lot, of, lot to gain out of it if you're not into that world, and if you're not into that sci-fi, I think it's actually very difficult and quite hard to penetrate. Reese, I'd give it a three point five. Um, I always find it hard to, to recommend sequels to films. It means you've got to recommend someone watch two films, and it's hard to get someone to watch two <laughs> films in a row. Um, and also with it being sci-fi and stuff like that, it's not going to be to to everyone's taste. As brilliant as it is, um, I think you need to know you're recommending it to. But because it's a sequel, is is the main reason why I'd give it a three point five. Helen. So to recommend this, I would say, have you got two hours and 43 minutes? Because if you haven't, then you can't watch this. Um, did you like June? Are you super excited for the second one? And did you like Blade Runner? And if you answer that, yes, then 100% this is for you. It, this, this feels like it's a bit of a man film. It's one of those that <laughs> the vibes are that generally the cinema was not filled with ladies it was very much filled with men um which sci-fi generally i think can be a bit balanced but definitely with with this um it was definitely on that but i still think it's a stunning film to look at and don't let the length put you off that much so i'm gonna give it a four i think it is a kind of a, a grouchy i don't know maybe not grouchy man's film but it's definitely like a it just kind of paints itself down that down that route doesn't it i can imagine when you went to the cinema it was like lots of single men kind of dotted around the cinema, <laughs> the cinema. <laughs> I, think I, I, was the, single, the, I was one of those single men watching dotted around the cinema <laughs> the, the character of joy as well is a bit kind of like stereotype male ai fantasy type thing so it is a bit like a bit like that as well that, oh, that's no, 100%. i thought i thought she had a better <laughs> i thought she had a better role than i remember at first i, I remember just her being 
like naked, but she wasn't that much, but she, she added, she drove, I think she drove um, Kay's character quite a lot more than I remember uh, on this rewatch. But there are, there were certain tropes definitely there that were, you know, that were not as great as it could be. But Under the Simons, I think is genuinely one of the best screen presences we've, we've got at the moment. Um, so her, her appearance in James Bond, in the Grey Man, in um, Knives Out. Knock, knock. <laughs> it's just like, is that the, is that the Keanu Reeves one? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not seeing that. But yeah, I think she, I think she's a fantastic screen presence. I haven't seen Blonde yet. Um, but yeah, I think don't she's, I think Don't she's Don't bother. <laughs> That's kind of what I've heard. The, I watched it in the cinema when it came out. Uh, three hours I won't get back in my life. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's interesting that you guys brought up the, brought up the tropes because obviously the tropes in the original film were harsher, um, especially as the fact that it was taken from more of a neo-noir than anything else. So you do have these things on where a lot of the women, the women in there aren't portrayed in the, the greatest light. Um, and it, I think it did have a little bit of a struggle because it's a completely different world to kind of to look at now and at least in the original film you could turn around and go oh yeah well you know it was the 80s and and etc etc and possibly excuse it um whereas now in 2017 it just seemed very hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Difficult. However, I think I, I do agree that the fact that Anna de Armas um, playing Joy, I think if it wasn't for her presence, if it was played by anyone else, I don't think it would have been as strong. I think it, those tropes would have been even more prominent. Uh, so I'm going to go for four. I think you do need to you need to watch the first Blade Runner to have seen this. And if you haven't, then what are you doing? But it's it's kind of weird if you if you've seen the first Blade Runner, then you'll be aware of this one already. So it's almost like a self fulfilling prophecy where the, they'll know about this film and you just go and watch it. If you like the first one, if you didn't like the first one, then or you know if you hated the first one, then don't bother. Well, you might like this one though. That's the thing. I think some people like. You didn't like the first one, but really like this one because it just brought something different to you. Yeah, well, I mean, when I say you don't like, if there's people who like, like Leslie's wife, for example, who just took against the whole world building side of things, and it, for me, I was kind of intrigued, but I just didn't get why it was lots of people's favorite films. Um, so I was intrigued to take a second stab, and it, it, this got me a lot more than the first one. There's a bit more action. I thought it was prettier, and I think there's there's a nice kind of central story which I didn't. I don't think I really cared about in the first one. And also, hey, Ryan Gosling, I like him. But you were not mentioning, have we? Sorry, Ryan. <laughs> but he's, I mean, Ryan's a good actor. We've had him, we've tossed by him on The Grey Man. He's been in La La Land. It's, it's a bit more like quietly, he's, he's not a big bombastic guy, is he? I'm, I'm quite surprised I haven't seen him in any Marvel films, for example, or any superhero films. Uh, but also at the same time. He's underrated because he's understated. Mm, he's got some great screen presence uh, appearances. I still love my God. My head's my head's not working today, guys. Crazy nice stupid guys love. and dry. Manchester the by the Sea. No. Oh yeah, the nice Gangster guys squad. Great. <laughs> 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 yeah, crazy stupid love. I think it's a 
an, an amazing rom-com and he he's the main driver him and him and steve Carell going toe-to-toe is one of the favorite my favorite cinematic bits it's a film i've seen more often than i would have anticipated just by the title of it uh and that's a lot a lot due to him sorry yes repeat being score leslie i'm gonna go a bit low with this and i'd say three um and i think the reason why is because it is the length um mm. i think more people like we've got a tv show coming up soon i guess blade runner and 29.9 and i think people will probably get into that a little bit more than than trying to watch a whole film again which is almost three hours it's just hard it's difficult to get people to watch films at this length if it's not i don't know um end game or anything like that so i can't it's it's hard i can't imagine it being uh like so repeatable but i mm. did enjoy this repeat viewing is this the second time you've seen it yeah, second time I saw it. Reese. I don't know about for everyone else, but for me, it's definitely rewatchable. The only problem for me is I'll watch the first one and then the second one, um, <laughs> one after the other. So you need a spare five, six hours. Um, <laughs> it's commitment. Anytime, it's like, well, anytime there's two films in a series um, and they're related directly, I have to watch the first one before watching the second one. That's just a rule that I set myself. If it's three, four films in a series, then I'll pick one out here or there. But... Um, Based on that, I'd probably go over four, but I've rewatched this one multiple times as well. So, volume one and volume two of Kill Bill, it's uh, <laughs> you got to do you got yeah, to do one no, two punch I, every single time. Yeah, normally that's the case. I could, I've watched Kill Bill one a lot more than Kill Bill two, um, because it's the first film in the series, I'd have to watch it, and also because it's not the timelines all over the place, it kind of works out a little bit different in that one. But the, the long version, the one that's both of them put together. Now, that's an awesome film. Oh, is it? I've, I've, no, okay, I've never seen that. Helen, uh, repeat being score. Um, so quite similar to you, Leslie. Um, I never would have watched this again unless you'd picked it, just because it's like, oh, it's quite long. And I don't know, but I did enjoy watching it again. I um, I was a little bit reluctant at the start, and then actually I did quite get into it. So, um, But I'm probably not going to watch it again. So yeah, three. I'm going to go for 3.2. It definitely bears watching again. The length is a bit off-putting. Um, and when I pressed play on it and, and the time, the length of time came up on Netflix, I was like, oh, for f- <laughs> And you pause in, it's like there's still that much. Like, yeah, oh, still- it's not moved along, is it? <laughs> I'm either going to fall asleep or I'm not going to finish watching it tonight. Uh, and I didn't have to, have to split across a few nights, unfortunately. Um, but otherwise, yeah, it's... it's I'm glad I watched it again. I was looking forward to watching it again. I'm, I'm, I'm glad I did. Uh, so thanks for thanks for picking it. Uh, 3.1, small screen score. I, well, I think this is going to lose a few points here. Leslie. Yeah, it's free again, isn't it? It needs to be watched on a bigger screen. <laughs> 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 I, I watched it in the cinema and then watched it here. I wouldn't say you lose something, but there was something about sitting in row five of of a cinema and just letting that thing wash over you which was something else and i don't think it hits as well here um although the ending um, um on the in the sea or the steps. in 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 the, no no the, the the climax sorry the in the water with Harrison Ford and the the other replicant i can't remember her name um, she's called love that's it and the, mm. the fight sequence there is 
still really, really effective, really, really good. Um, that whole kind of final, I know I'm sure it's a final act, is it? But that final kind of 20 minutes was a, a wave of emotions. It went from drownings through to meeting your, your long lost daughter and yeah. Ryan Gosling maybe dying on the step in the stone. Um, Reese, small screen score. Uh, three and a half, just solely because of how bloody good that film is in the cinema. It still <laughs> looks good. I've got the 4K, the 4K, like it, looks, it still looks good. But yeah, no, in, in the cinema, that film is just unreal. Deakin's cinematography comes to the forefront when you're watching that one in the cinema. Mm-hmm. Um, and giving it a 3.5 feels like a low score because of how good it looks. But it just, you need to see, I'm a big cinema advocate. If I could watch everything in the cinema, I would. And um, Blade Runner 2049 is most definitely one that if you ever can see in the cinema, go check it out because it just brings it to a completely different level. Helen? Yeah, I find it insane that it was a flop because if there was only one time you were going to go and see this, then it was at the cinema. Like, I just remember like for the orangey bits, like the whole cinema was orange. <laughs> and like for the neon bits, like the whole cinema was neon. It was just... It was just like, whoa, like, you know, this is like magic, cinema magic. Um, and and it's got that classic uh, Zimmer score, hasn't it, with the stuff going on. I think I prefer Vangelis, but um, yeah, it's, it is one for, for the cinema. So um, where am I? 3.5, go on. You, were, you guys were all going a bit higher than I thought you would do. I'm going to go for 2.5. I think it's it's magnificent in the cinema. Still, it, this still does look good and is effective on the smaller screen. But for the orangey bits alone, for the snowy bits alone, for the neon bits alone, for the for whichever bits, even just like the shots of the, of the kind of grubs on the table at the, at the start of the first scene that um, just before the fight happens. Even that kind of thing is like this. This looks great. <laughs> this looks amazing. Uh, Two point five engagement score, Leslie. Um, I would say for me, four. I was really into it again. I was really into it again, and I think, I think most films, if not all films, need a second watch. Um, and you just pick up on these little things that just makes it a little bit more entertaining. Um, I liked the little in, interplay between kind of Mackenzie Davis's character and, and Anna de Armas's Another character. Another person we haven't talked about. Yeah. And I thought that was just a, it was just something that I completely forgot and missed before. And all these little characters, all these little bits of character building just really worked. And the cameo from, um, from Amos as well was just perfect. Like such a small, simple scene, but really effectively done. And I think it just, because I watched Blade Runner recently, again, watching this now, just, you know, just brought back all that kind of feeling and, and that element in there. So I was really engaged. Reese, Yeah, for, for me, it's five. I don't really turn off any movie once I once I start it. But it, might, it might be hard after watching Blade Runner first and then this, I might fall asleep. <laughs> but I wouldn't turn it off myself personally. <laughs> Does that count, I may, does it? I may, unintentionally, <laughs> unintentionally, I may turn it off by falling asleep, but I'll only be in the morning when I wake up. So no, um, I, I'm, I, as soon as I start watching something, I'll follow through. So I'll give it a five. One of our early guests uh, had a concept of the napper, where it's the kind of film you put on if you're feeling like, if you fall if you fall asleep whilst it's on, that's not a problem. Um I'm not sure this is that, but I, I do <laughs> I do quite like that concept. Uh, 
Helen. Oh, this is definitely a, a Napa film, like, <laughs> and and I think the first one is as well. I don't know. I think it's just something about like the darkness and the rain and like the orange. The oranginess is quite like sleepy. So I think if you have a nap in this, like, you'll probably wake up and it'll still be going. So um, I think that's fine. <laughs> um, but what is? You, what, do you not feel you missed out on some of the story though with the, with the napping? I think the kind of nap is like you you wake up at any point, you know what's going on, and it doesn't matter. But that's my interpretation. Obviously, it could be a different. Any Dwayne Johnson film. I try not to fall asleep in the cinema anymore because it's too expensive. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to give it a solid four for engagement. I think if I was the editor, I would have been a bit leaner with some of the cuts and could be like a little bit, yeah, leaner, especially because obviously I've seen it before, so I thought... <laughs> I'd like it if it was like um, you can you can have your own edits after after the first watch. Can I have a longer cut? I can, please, do, I can do Premiere Pro. I can do some yeah, dissolve editing. <laughs> I don't think Deco would allow dissolve editing at any point in any of his films ever. Um, yeah, three point nine. It's it can be engaged and that kind of running length. You know, you need to be involved in it. And I think that's mainly driven by the cinematography. Because I'm just happy, just happy to see everything. Even, there's that scene in in Vegas where where Kay and and Deco just realise just just realise they've been that uh, Kay's been tracked, and the flying car shoots shoots down the window, and the car comes into the, into the room and turns around. I was just like, whoa! That that just that that scene was brilliant. I just loved that scene, and, and there's I don't know, I don't know what I'm saying, but I loved it. So but things like that, things like that had me hooked in at every kind of every five minutes. There's something that hooked me in and hooked me in and hooked me in, and that gives us an overall score of three point six two five zero zero. That small screen think, score. It's a small screen score, um, and repeat being score, but high recommendability and engagement overall. Um, should we head to Twitter? Yay! <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys, if you're listening to us, uh, do follow us on Twitter. We are at. Netflix Watcher Pod on Twitter. Do follow us because we put some tweets out telling you what to watch on Netflix in general. But also, before we go to record, we ask for your opinions and put out a tweet like this. We're reviewing Blade Runner 2049 with Afro Film View and from Fatal Chat Pod and Rio's Positive POV. Have you seen it? Tell us your thoughts and the score out of five stars for a shout out on our podcast. Uh, Leslie, do you want to say the first one? Yeah, definitely. So I'm going to go with um, David uh, Trumbull. He said, the original Blade Runner is a three-star film with a five-star final act, making it a four-star. Blade Runner um, 2049 has a three-star story with five-star visuals and atmosphere, also bumping it up to a four-star. In that way, it's a totally appropriate successor to its forebear, four stars. Fair play. Reese. Uh, Emily says, I love Blade Runner 2049, an example of a film which is very slow, but completely captivates me. I adore the atmosphere, the colours, the cinematography, the music, and I'm a big fan of the actors. I find a relationship between Ryan and Anna very moving too. For me, it's a 4.5 star film. Lovely. Uh, Helen? So I'm going to take this, well, we've kind of got, it's like a three-parter here, but it's from um, um, Lean H. Dempsey, previous guest of the show. Grossly long in comparison with the under two hours original, plus no real reason for being, but well made and acted apart from Jared Leto. Far better than it could have been, but the idea of it being on the same level or even better than the groundbreaking first film is utter madness. (laughs) Um, 
when pressed for how many stars, <laughs> I think probably 3.5 stars, but I resent giving them. <laughs> and then Leslie pipes in, uh, please watch again. <laughs> <laughs> and then he sort of says, like, I, I don't even dislike it. Just people trying to even compared to the original is abysmal to me. There's a couple more comments. So if you want to maybe agree or disagree with Liam um, and um, read the the full conversation, then please do. But um, I, I I find it amusing that he resented giving it 3.5 stars. <laughs> <laughs> Leslie, do you want to say the last one? Um, so KDS Virgil, which is beautiful, memorable, thought-provoking, hypnotically paced, not afraid to take its time and rewards the viewer for their investment. Bleak and yet not without hope. Great score and sound design. My favourite Villeneuve film. And he gets pressed for stars and he says five stars. Lovely. Uh, Leslie and Reese, can you sign up by telling everyone where we can find you online and say goodbye to the listeners? Yeah, so I'm Afrofilm Viewer, um, pretty much everywhere on the internet. If you follow me on Twitter or Instagram, that's where you'll find me. You can also find me on uh, Fatal Attract Pod, which is Fatal Attract's podcast, and um, Culture Hustlers, which is the Hustlers of Culture podcast. And Reese? Yeah, my Twitter is at Rio's Positive POV. That's R E O S positive pov and on there there's a link tree um link which can bring you to the website i write for my youtube channel and all the other jargon maybe it might be a new social media in a couple of days who knows um <laughs> but that's where you can find me for everything and also i guess your podcast will be linked there as well whenever you, whenever that launches if uh, indeed it if will. you guys listen to it in, in the year thanks so much for joining us guys it's been a pleasure to revisit this and we'll say goodbye to all your listeners bye thanks so much for coming on goodbye. see ya bye enjoyed this episode of flicks watcher podcast why not leave us a five-star review on itunes you can also follow us at flicks watcher pod on twitter and we're at flicks watcher on instagram thanks as always to the mighty people for their mighty mighty tunes and ben from rockwood audio for his awesome editing skills if you're looking to get your podcast edited as sweet as this get in touch with ben and that's rockwood r-o-k-k wood audio tell them flicks what you sent you you just heard a stripped media production <laughs>